Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. I am glad that you are here. Let's pray together. Father, we praise you for this day. And Lord, we are glad because we are together with our faith family. We are experiencing the blessings of your existence. Lord, we're breathing in your air. We're enjoying your day. And you woke us up this morning to life. And Father, we are grateful for these things and we're thankful to be here to worship you. Father, as we hear your word, as we sing your praises, I pray, Lord, that you would build us up and that you would grow us up in you. We pray all of this in your name. Amen. Two things that we need to be reminded of. One, the business meeting is next week, a week from today, where we will look at the budget for 2021. And then, secondly, the Christmas shoe boxes are due on the 15th. So now it's November. So now all of a sudden it seems like it's due any time. So, and we all know now that it's November 1st, it's Christmas season. So now you can shop and not feel <clears throat> like you're doing Christmas in July. So, anyway, I saw some boxes coming in today. Make sure. You take some with you if you need to, but go ahead and get the, the stuff, get those boxes coming in so that we can share the gospel through toys and stuff all over this planet. So that, that, those are the two announcements that I know that we need to be aware of. And so we're getting ready to take an offering. And so if I can get some guys to come and help, we are going to pray and then take an offering. All right, I see people running for the baskets. Yes, thank y'all. All right, let's pray together. Father, we, we love you and we're so thankful for you. And Lord, for the, for the blessings that you have given us. Lord, we praise you that we even have an opportunity to to see that there is actual money and lord we are praying that you would make us wise in how to invest it properly in your kingdom for your glory and so lord i pray that you continue to keep our hearts focused on how blessed we are but also help us to continue to to be godly givers that you would help us to grow in our giving and that you would help us to see opportunities to give outside of this church, but also, Lord, through this faith family that we have the privilege of, of building your kingdom, watching you work. And so, Lord, continue to make us wise as we give, but also wise as we invest, as we spend as a body of believers. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. worship God some more through song and uh seems to me that the message here that this set has been grace this is what has hit me this week and um and then the the very last verse uh in in Isaiah that we uh focused on in Sunday school today just just made it come to light even more let me share that with you guys so uh, it's Isaiah 46 uh 12 and 13 it says listen to me you stubborn of heart you who are far from righteousness, I bring near my righteousness. It is not far off, and my salvation will not delay. I will put salvation in Zion for Israel my glory. So even though you are stubborn of heart and you are far from righteousness, he's still going to bring his righteousness, and it's not far off, and his salvation will not delay unmerited favor of God <clears throat> we uh, even through you know through the cross through uh, through all the things that he does you know he shows us his grace through his love and this this first song really emphasizes that and the two verses one's about grace one's about love and and how how he works and the character of God and the the grace and the mercy and the love that he shows us so guys that's worth singing about this morning. Let's let's stand up and and uh, continue on through through song.
So if it were not for his righteousness, we would not have any, right? I think that 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 point, if nothing else, has been made clear today through Sunday school and through our worship time. He is righteous, we are not, and we cling to his righteousness because there's nothing else to cling to. Well, it's good to see everybody. It is a, it's an important week. It all of a sudden became winter because it's November. And, you know, it's Christmas pretty much tomorrow, right? I'm figuring as I get older, time speeds up. And so that's how it appears to me. I mean, next week, this time, we may have a a uh, know who the president's going to be for the next four years. I mean, we may not, but all of the voting will have taken place. And whether or not we have a, a new president, we will not have a new Lord because there is but one. And so, how are things going with the reading? We have gone through the Old Testament, and now that we're in November, we are through the Gospels at this point and in Acts. Are you keeping up? Is this where you say, I feel guilty? Again, I'm behind. I'm behind. And so, uh, but I will catch up soon because I read in the deer stand. And so, that's how it goes. But, I want you to know that you can catch up. Joyce has been uh, famous. The kids and I have laughed at her because she has been, she's been the example. She's been the the person on this planet I know that has read through the Bible more than any other human I know on this whole planet. And so she has not always done it the most timely fashion, and that's been hilarious. But each year, it seemed for a while, <clears throat> when we're driving down to you know our folks' house for Christmas, Joyce is reading, and I'll hear sometimes, in the New Testament or something like that but whatever the case may be she is a reading crazy person and she always makes it always comes back and always finishes so there's a lot of people that are behind and I want to give you hope do not give up catch up you can read and finish well so you do that and I will tell you this New Testament reading is way easier People name their kids shorter names in the New Testament. Like, all of a sudden, Luke. You know, no Melchizedek and Zerubbabel and stuff like that. So, you know, Matthew, right? So, if you think about it, we name our kids biblical names. And so, if you think about, there's not a whole lot of Old Testament names. You have... You know, Joseph, Jacob, David. But then there's a lot of of New Testament names, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Paul, and Stephen, and, and those kind of names. But that's because there's a lot shorter names in the New Testament, right? So, today we are going to, to spend some time in Acts again. And in the future, we will spend some some serious time in Acts. But today, today I just want to address who we are as a church, why we exist as a New Testament church. And I just want to key in on Acts 2 and If you've been following along, you know that the Old Testament pointed toward Christ, and then the Gospels is the the laying out of what happened, his birth, his life, his death, burial, resurrection, and then his ascension, and so he's he's left the eleven, then twelve behind 
tells them where we were last week. I'm gone. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And now in Acts chapter 2, it's the, the dawning of the New Testament church. And so that is us. That is who we are. We copy them. We follow Christ, and we are a part of his church. And so I just want to read chapter 2 of Acts, verse 42 to the end, verse 47. And, and as you hear these words, I've said this plenty of times before, but now more than ever, as you hear these words, this should describe us. This should describe this faith family. And so as you hear these words, let it ring and reverberate in your mind, this is us. Or in question form, is this us? So, with your Bibles open to Acts chapter 2, verse 42, would you please stand as we read the word of the Lord? You can look at the screen, it's there as well. Acts 2.42 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day... They continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let's pray together. Lord, we can't praise you enough for the, for the picture that you give us of who we are to be as a church but God even even a greater blessing than this picture is the power that was behind it that made it happen and so Lord we pray for that power we pay, we pray for your your presence here not just today but Lord to lead us to drive us to to be the motivator the catalyst for us to be yours for us to be the church that brings you the glory that you have created us to be. And so, Lord, as we look toward a, a new budget, a new year, Lord, I pray that you prepare us in our heart with your word. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. And so, a church for the nations, last week we even spoke of when Jesus was leaving, he told them that, he, that they would be his witnesses, that even though they were as local as you get, there's no internet, no internal combustion engines, there was feet and donkeys, right? Horse, a chariot. Not a lot of super fast bullet trains and things such as that to get from place to place to go to the nations. And yet, it was the plan and still is the plan for the New Testament church to be a church for the nations. And so, I want us to look at the New Testament church. Some characteristics or activities of the New Testament church, and they're four. They were all about making disciples. They were about multiplying leaders, mobilizing churches, and magnifying God. And yes, this portion of the sermon is brought to you by the letter M. And so this is the church. This is... This is them, this is us, this is who we are. I keep saying this is us, and I think about that show on TV that I have never seen, I have no idea what it's about, and it's probably inappropriate because it probably gets high ratings, so it's inappropriate, but that's not us. This is us. 
And as Abundant Hope Baptist Church, this is who we are. This is who God has called us to be. And I want to read just a, a verse in Acts 9, Acts 9, verse 31. And picture this as kind of like church as it was intended to be. Acts 9, 31 says, Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. That one verse, so much a description of who we want and where we want to be as a body of believers. Could you imagine it being said, then the church at Abundant Hope in Gates County enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. And I see these two passages, bookends of New Testament church done correctly. And so this is what I want us to, to look at. This is who I want us to be as we look forward 2021, a new year. So first, making disciples. This is the foundation. As we break each of these four down, how are we doing it now? You know, how can we do it better in the future? So the foundation and I think that there's things that we do very well. I think one is that we are a faith family. That's not always been the terms used, but ever since I have any had any part to do with this body of believers, I have seen that this is a faith family. This is a family of faith that, in a large sense, does life together in many ways. And so... <laughs> I guess there's good and bad about families, depending on your, your earthly family. If you think about it, you say, ooh, we're part of a family, and sometimes it's like, yeah, they're family. The bottom line is, we are sons and daughters of the king. And like it or not, we are stuck together for eternity. That's right, forever. This is not till death do us part. This is at death, it just gets started ever you me us forever this is a family and this is a good thing because of christ if it were not for christ we'd be together forever in another place and it would not be cool so but we are a faith family and we have been entrusted with a great commission We've been entrusted with a great commission. He has giving, given us our mission, our marching orders. And he has laid it out very clearly. And we talk about it a lot. It's who we are. We're about making disciples of all nations. And so much so that this is... This is our tagline. This is our mantra, I've heard it said. We exist to make disciples who make disciples. And it's not like we made that up. We're just being obedient to what the Bible said for us to do. Make disciples of all nations. And if, and if we're to do this, then I believe that we must make disciples of succeeding generations. So if we are to make disciples of the nations, we need to make disciples of succeeding generations. And that means we need to, to reach the generations behind us. Which, that, that means, as we live that out, what if we miss a generation? Imagine standing before a group of a of hundred senior adults and we're discussing what church should be what church should look like 
and um, hearing the perspective of people my parents and grandparents' ages. And, and there's a debate going on of what, what we should be doing and what we should be majoring on as the church. And, and there is this push to meet the needs of that generation, the senior adults. And, and there was not much of a push to reach their grandchildren's generation until one sweet old lady starts connecting dots. Wait a minute. If this is who we are, and if this is all we are for us, then what about the generations that come behind us? What about our children's generation and our grandchildren's generation and our great-grandchildren's generation? Do we not care? Do we not see it's important to make disciples of the generations that are behind us. And so, it brings me to a passage in Psalm 78. This passage is, to me, it hits it. What does this passage say about abundant hope? Psalm 78, verse 1 through 8. O my people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter hidden things, things from of old. What we have heard and known, what our fathers have told us, we will not hide them from their children. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, His power and the wonders He has done. He, he decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which He commanded our forefathers to teach their children, so the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. They would, then they would put their trust in God, and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. They would not be like their forefathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to him. So if we think about it in these terms, we're called to make disciples of the nations. But we're shooting at a moving target, right? Because every day, tons of people die. And so our target automatically then shifts back a little bit because there's constantly people dropping off of this planet. But there's also people constantly coming on to this planet that we are to target. And so our target is to shift. Our target is a constantly moving target. And so if we say that we are going to only shoot at this target, if we are only aiming to make disciples of this person or this place or this kind of person, that target is constantly moving. And so then anybody else that's not in that target, what are we saying to them? And what are we saying to our Father who has told us to reach them? And so... That's the foundational issues. The question is, how can we most effectively make disciples among the next generation? So we exist. We are here. We have access to the gospel. But we know that we live in a culture where the things of faith, <clears throat> the truth of the word, is not growing in popularity. And we can see in the fabric of our country, we can see a, a downshift of the things of God. And so, the generation coming behind us, if something does not change, if things remain as they are, it is not going to be good. We just read through 
the Old Testament and the exile. And we just talked about it in Sunday school today a little bit where God told them, obey my word. If you obey my word, it will go well. If you don't, it will not. And then he said, you're not obeying my word. I am not pleased with you. You're not obeying my word. You're looking like the countries that I have judged. All right, you didn't obey my word. I'm going to judge you. It's coming. Turn now or it's coming. All right, you didn't turn. It's coming. All right, because you didn't turn, it's here. Go to Babylon, the ones who survive. We're not Israel, but we serve the same God who is holy, and he gives us his truth, and we know that sin deserves his judgment. And we do not want to be like the Jews who cry out, we're God's people. We have the temple. You live here. You couldn't possibly do anything to us. It would look bad for you among the nations. And as the smoke is coming from the smoldering temple, he says, I told you. And so, we have to reach the generation behind us. We have to reach the next generation. So how can we most effectively make disciples among the next generation? And I want to just offer two thoughts on this. One is to empower parents. Empower parents. And and I think this is important because if we strengthen and support marriages and families, I think that if we do this, strengthening and supporting families, marriages, that it's the way God created it, right? That all through the Old Testament, the picture was that you take your kid to church and you pray that somebody at the church tells them about Jesus, right? No, that's not the picture at all. The picture is from the time they are born and perhaps even when they are still in the womb, they are hearing the truth of God and they talk about it at the breakfast table, at the lunch table, when they're walking along the way. It's always before them, and it is lived out before them, and it is spoken before them. And so that doesn't happen properly if it's only happening through people who aren't their church, I mean, who aren't their parents, and only happens at church. When I was a youth pastor a long time ago, I knew a another youth pastor that told the parents I can't fix in one day what you've hosed up the rest of the week and I didn't know if I had the guts to say that or not but in some cases he was right in some cases where the the mentality of the family is I take my kids to church you tell them what they need to know And then I will feed them and keep them clothed and out of jail, and I will bring them back next week. That is certainly not New Testament discipleship. And so, if we strengthen and support marriages and families, you know, out of that, you get the best nest, you get the best foundation for a young person to come up in Christ. And so how can we, as we think about this, how can we strengthen and support marriages and families as a church? Think on these things. I'm trying to lay out a mindset that leads to God leading our hearts, which will in turn lead our feet to action. Because we are a church that makes disciples who makes disciples. And so we want to strengthen and support marriages and families. And we want to equip them to make disciples. So we want to get away from 
having the mentality that only the pastor or only an elder can lead anybody to Christ. That's simply not biblical. It's not true. And so we want to equip families to make disciples in their home, but not just in their home, through their homes. And so I believe a New Testament picture brought into 2020 or 2021 is we pour into lives. We pour, and I'm talking not like 1 to 60. I'm talking your family pours into another family or your family pours into a person or a small group of some sort where you experience real life together intentionally done and so another family gets Jesus into their home and they grow in Christ and and we have this happening here where one person or a small group disciples another person or a small group and then that grows and that multiplies and that's what we're looking for and so in your home you make disciples of your children but then with your children or if you don't have children through your home out of your home you take that maturity in Christ and it goes with you wherever you go and so then the people you see at work or school the neighborhood family foods whatever it is it begins to rub off of you kind of like this virus thing except in a good way right if we get within six feet of someone some Jesus is going to jump off of us by people looking at us and spending time with us and it's going to latch on and grow in someone else's heart and that's what we want and we want to fan those flames we want to spend as much time together as possible because we it's the opposite of the of coronavirus the more time we spend the more likely we are to get something we want right the more time we spend with one another in Christ the more time we have to to build that foundation to fan those flames to grow people in Christ and we want people to grow in Christ so that they themselves will help other people to grow in Christ that is disciples making disciples who make disciples that's how it spreads if our tendency is that I am going to lead you to Christ and then I want you to have your eyes open for someone else who needs to know Christ and if, if you find anybody that needs to know Christ, bring them back to me and I will lead them to Christ too. No. That tends to be the way it goes, but we want to make disciples. Someone who is growing in their faith that can grow in their faith and be mature and help others to grow in their faith who helps others and so when we get old and die someone will be behind us that is as mature or more mature than us that's left behind to shoot at the moving targets behind us so we want to empower parents strengthen and support marriages and families equip them to make disciples in their homes through their homes and so then establish parents but also establish a process a, a process that maximizes other members in the church and these are the things that I want us to think through and I'm not getting ready to unveil the new series is coming to abundant hope what I'm trying to do is stir hearts through the word for us to be in the word and think about what needs to happen rona or no rona how do we make disciples in 2021 through abundant hope baptist church and so we need to establish a process that maximizes other members in the church so what if you don't have kids and maybe you don't have kids yet or you don't like kids and don't want to ever have kids or maybe you're 104 and you can't even remember what kids raising was like what about people who don't have children in the home? How can you be involved in the process of discipleship? 
this is where the the small group mentality or even the family foods mentality comes into play if you have the coronavirus you have the coronavirus wherever you go right if you test positive for corona if you're at family foods you have corona if you're at your house you have corona and in the same thing with jesus if you have jesus in your home you don't leave him in your dresser drawer when you leave when you go to family foods you have jesus when you go to the doctor's office or school you have jesus and so if you can't help spreading Jesus wherever you go, no matter if you have children at your home. And so, you teach. You have opportunities in your house or other events where you have the privilege of speaking into other people's lives. And so we want to maximize that and this process that maximizes other members also is a process that intentionally trains children and students in the church. And this is what we do. You know, we have a pastor on staff at this church that we pay zero, but is still on staff at this church who is a disciple maker for students in this church. And, and as we have talked about over the, the years, this word train is important. I know that John, as we have spoken, and, and the way this church is, we are not just hoping to give enough truth to help our teenagers survive. The plan is, is to intentionally train so that they will thrive and be mature enough to not just not fall away in college, but be strong enough to make disciples as teenagers, make disciples as young adults. And so this is the point. And so... Making disciples. But then, secondly, multiplying leaders. Multiplying leaders. In, in Acts, we see there's laid out the, the picture of leadership. And you see the, the words leader, elder, overseer, pastor. And these interchangeable terms when I came to Abundant Hope the word elder was a uh, kind of a problematic term for me and not because I have a problem with elders in the Bible my problem with elders has always been that they have been poorly defined outside of scripture and Elders have looked very different in different churches. And so if elders are properly defined as the Bible defines them, elders are very important. And I'm saying that elders are properly defined at Abundant Hope. But there are other places where elders are not biblically defined. And so we want to multiply leaders and I kind of as I get older experience comes with age right and so I have experienced other church settings and I've experienced things done well and things done not so well and let me give you some some well-intentioned logic that was non-biblical I was part of a church that had 12 deacons. And they had 12 deacons because there were 12 disciples. And that's not the worst reason to have 12. But if you have 400 people, you could use a few more deacons, right? And they qualify. But if you have a church of 60, but you have to have 12 deacons, 
then even if they don't qualify, you got to find one somewhere. And so if you're a dude and you're over the age of 18, you're a deacon. What we want to do is read the Word and multiply leaders in a biblical way. And the responsibilities of, of elders in Scripture is to, is to lead. Lead under the authority of Christ. Lead under the authority of Christ. And so if, you're a, if you are an elder at Abundant Hope, this is you. This is a description of you from Acts, but not just current elders, and we'll get to this point in a little bit. If you are to be an elder in the future, to be an elder at Abundant Hope, doesn't just mean that you've been a Christian for a long time and you did not die. Being an elder at Abundant Hope means this. It means maturity. Elders in Scripture lead under the authority of Christ. And so they belong to the church. The church belongs to Christ. And so they lead under the authority of Christ. And not only do they lead but they care for the body of Christ. They care for the body of Christ. And I didn't say this before. I need to say it and make sure that we understand that the elders at Abundant Hope include me. And so we are, we are co-leaders together. And so... So this is what we do. And the, the big difference between the elders at Abundant Hope is that I am, I am paid to be solely focused on the leadership being an elder at this church. And as this church grows, perhaps others will be paid. But right now, I want you to think about this. The qualifications for me and for the other elders are the same. Everybody else just has full-time jobs that they go to and still have to lead under the authority of Christ and care for the body of Christ. And in caring for the body of Christ, they nurture the flock, they protect the flock, and this these are important things. We help the, the body to grow, but we also protect the flock from false teachings, from potential wolves. And so lead and care. And third is to teach. Teach the word of Christ. This is one that I've had an issue with over the years. Not me personally, but I've had to deal with issues with leaders believing that they qualify to be elders though nobody thought they would either they didn't feel like they were teaching material or everybody in the church thought that dude's not going to teach and here's the issue with this the qualifications in first timothy leaders are teachers of the word of christ period. And so they know the word extensively, they communicate the word effectively, and if those things can't be done, then there is a lack of a qualification to be an elder at that point. Now, of course, we can grow in those things, and perhaps eventually that would be the case, but this is part of being an elder. And I would not, I would not question for one minute if I were not here of having any one of our elders teaching the word from right here. And if I did have a problem, then we would have a problem with an elder. And so keep these things in your mind. They lead, they care, they teach, and finally they model the character of Christ. They model the character of Christ and in, in his personal life, in his family life, we model what it is to be 
Christ. Model the character of Christ. And if you can't point to an elder as an example of who you need to be or or someone needs to be in Christ, then there is a problem. And of course, no elder, no leader is perfect, but this is the deal. And so, the need for more leaders or the need for more elders in the faith family I want to put this out there. I'm not advertising that we need to get more elders right now. What I am saying is, is that as men mature in Christ, we do not, we will not have a specified number of elders that we have to have because seven is the perfect number or we can't, we got to have 12. But as people grow and mature as men are qualified to be elders we pray that God will also be growing the body and growing the need for for elders to lead to teach to care for to model godliness and so we pray that we always will have the need for more elders in our faith family but we will we will not make someone an elder that is not biblically qualified just because we need numbers and we also will not do the opposite keep somebody away from being an elder because we don't think we uh have enough or i mean we have too many and so as we grow as people mature there's a need for more elders in our faith family you know who are who are shepherding the church, who are multiplying this church, why would we not want to have more people shepherding this church and multiplying this church? You know, in our context and other contexts around the world. And so multiplying leaders, but then mobilizing churches... One day, one day, this looking toward the future, I think it would be sweet if this church plant is a church planting church. It would be sweet. And I, I am very proud to be a part of a faith family that is a ascending church. This church sends missionaries all over. And even cooler than that to me is that we've sent our own that God called them grew them sent them from abundant hope that is as preciously sweet and I am grateful to be a part of this but here's here's the situation others are listening you know there's people around Gates County are looking at abundant hope but then personally others are listening to you and what you're saying what's going on in your life and so we want to lead we want to make disciples because others are listening but in the process we're learning we are still learning what it means to be disciples who make disciples. And we are always going to be learning. Hopefully we're always going to be growing. But the point is, others are listening. Others who don't know Christ. Others who are new in Christ. And so the situation is, we need to be following Christ. And even now, we have more of an online presence than we've ever had before. And I believe that online presence is growing. And so we need to model what it is to be a disciple-making church for their sake as well. And the challenges in this, the challenges is to stay focused on how we can most effectively make disciples of all nations. And this is the hardest part, to stay focused. And, and what tends to happen is, 
in order to make disciples, we're going to do this. And whatever this is gets baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we find that we can't make disciples any other way except to do this. And, but when this program or this event doesn't do what it did initially, it's, it's difficult. It takes leadership to move off of something that perhaps once worked and now doesn't and move on to something else. Now, I am not saying that we move away from the Word. We do not move away from making disciples and depending on the power of God for the glory of God. But if, if having a basketball camp worked, it may not work forever. If having a soccer camp worked, it may not work forever. If having a harvest festival works, will it work? It might work. Will it work forever? Maybe not. But the point is, is that the challenge is to stay focused on how we can most effectively make disciples of all nations. And so what I've seen is, I've seen things done very, very well, and I've seen things not changed quickly enough. So if it doesn't work as well this year, well, if we just double the budget, then it'll work better next year. And then maybe we just need to do it better the next year because we've always done it, so we have to keep doing it. So how do we make it better? Until someone needs to just say, look, I believe that we can put kingdom dollars in a more effective way to do ministry. I'm a deer hunter, and I like making meat for my family. When I started deer hunting, I wanted to make deceased deer magically look like hamburger. And I was also a cheapskate. And so my dad gave me this meat grinder that his father gave him when he was a kid. And we're talking like his father born 1905. And so it weighs 30 pounds and it has this clamp and you clamp it real tight to something real steady and then you turn and you know you make sure you have everything tightened because as you are turning it's creating pressure and has this little wheel that you know is auger that forces it through this blade and out but it's forcing and you're putting pressure on it so you're feeling it right and everything that's supposed to be focused through this auger, through this hole, doesn't always go out that hole. It forms pressure, and sometimes it goes... <laughs> so, my kids will remember, I clamped this thing to a wood chair, and then my kids had to stand on the chair to hold it down, because I needed all their weight. And so I'm doing this, and that's the way I made burger in the beginning. But then I started thinking, this is dumb. I'm taking my whole family, and we look like we have all been to the temple and got sprinkled with blood to get this burger. And so I went to Walmart and bought an electric grinder. And all of a sudden, it takes one person four minutes, the deer's done. It looks like burger. I'm not sweating. I don't have spots on the table where I clamp the thing on. My kids don't hate me because they don't get squished with blood. Amazing. I have the deer. I have burger. And it didn't take me nearly as much time. Small investment improvement. But I had always done it that other way before. My grandfather gave me that grinder. It was time to move on. So let us learn from that. Let's not always have done that thing before. And just because our grandfather said it was the way to do it, if God leads us a more effective way to make disciples of the nations, let's do it.
let's follow him in this. And then, finally, to steward the influence God entrusts to us to mobilize others to make disciples of all nations. And we have influence, some more than others. And in this community, we want to take the influence that we have that God has given us to mobilize others to make disciples of the nations. And however we can use that influence, whether it's a good name in the community, whatever it is, we want to be good stewards of it. We want to, to make disciples however God leads us to make disciples. And then, finally, from making disciples multiplying leaders, mobilizing churches, and then finally magnifying God. And just one, one prayer. And I hope that this is our collective prayer, that God would allow us to make disciples. And I've worded it like this, God, give us the nations and do it in such a way that only you get the glory. That is abundant hope. This would be our prayer. That God give us the nations and do it in such a way that only you get the glory. I'm praying that 2021, God leads us to great opportunities and that he has prepared us to this point to take those opportunities in 2021. We don't know what they are. Will the coronavirus give us opportunities for the nations? Who knows? Who knows? But no matter if there's a virus, if there's a plague, there are no asterisks on the Great Commission. He tells us to go and make disciples of the nations. He did not tell us that we could take time off if there's a virus. He did not tell us that we could stop making disciples if all of a sudden people in America start shooting Christians. He did not tell us that we could stop making disciples if it's no longer legal to have churches in this country. And we're going to make disciples no matter who is president, what country we live in, if it's legal, if it's dangerous. We're going to make disciples. And so, let us grow in Him and let us be open in our hearts for him to lead us for what those specifics look like in our ministry, in this faith family, and that as we have opportunity, let us make disciples, even in our homes and through our homes. Amen? Let's stand together for prayer. Father, we are so grateful that you have made this very clear. As we look into your word, there's things that we wish were clearer, but you could have made this no clearer. Thank you, Lord, for telling us what we are to be about in making disciples for the nations. So, Lord, I pray as a church that we deal with where we are as individuals because we cannot make disciples if we are not a disciple ourselves. And so let us grow in the Word ourselves with the mindset to make disciples of the nations. And so, Lord, I pray that you would lead us as a body to those opportunities. Is it to partner with the Efflers? Is it to partner with the Wilkins? Is it to partner with, with others that have gone out from among us? Is it something new? Is it something different? Is it all of those? Is it more of us? Lord, help us to not be guilty of, of thinking that it is enough to only send them. Help us to never substitute the sending for the personal going. And Lord, I pray that you would lead us to be the church that you want us to be. Show us how to make
disciples of the generation that we're losing behind us. Show us the leaders, Lord. Help us to grow leaders for the future. As you grow this church, grow the leadership as well. And God, help us to mobilize and not just become stagnant like a swamp where it, we just as we get ready to leave, I pray that you feel that, that you feel like God is, has you at the place where you belong, that we can grow for his glory, and that it feels like we are wrapped in his arms when we're in that place. So let's pray together. Father, we praise you for this day, for this faith family. God, I pray that you would grow each of us. Help us, Lord, to not just talk about making disciples, Lord, that you would make us disciples and give us a burden in our hearts to make disciples of others. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.